it's like I want to be able yeah. to enjoy John Wick in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> and I feel like that's gonna be that's gonna be how I can do it. <laughs> yeah, beat beat pen in the in the bathroom. Well, uh, I already hit record because that's what I'd like to do to everyone. Uh-huh. Uh, so I guess I may as well just introduce things. So we are back after a little bit of a hiatus with Liquid People, a podcast from Unified Beer Works. Uh, we were away for a bit because of the Memorial Day weekend holiday. And then also I was fucking around in the canyons of Utah. So that was another reason, I Someone guess. Someone gets vacation around here. What you is, know, What's that mean? Vacation? vacation? What's that word? I, I don't know. Never heard that word right? before. It's kind of foreign. <laughs> so one of the other voices, and speaking of foreign, the voice that you may hear uh, that is not myself or Erica. By the way, I'm Andrew. I don't even think I introduced myself. I know. I think we know, right, by this stage. Anyways, uh, the per- the other voice that is joining us right here is Daniel Kravitz. He is the beverage and hospitality manager over at City Beer Hall. Hello. Welcome. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, man. I'm glad you were able I'm to make it. I, so, I'm sorry I was late, but it's I, okay. No one knows that. Better late than never. Well, they all know now. Well, they'll know. Yeah. In, well, now like, they know. In, in and my... that was even later because of May. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we just kept pushing it back even further and further. We, we even had like claim. we even had a time scheduled last week. We had to push it back. Uh, We've just yeah, been constantly just, pushing this it's back. Fine. I'm like the worst. It's fine. No, no, no. That one was on us. I think a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was okay. It was. I take it no, back. We're fine. See, I'm yeah, awesome. it's good. No, that was that one was my fault. Um, but yeah, so Dan, we, we've known each other for a bit, which is kind of like crazy to me. It's been six years been that I've known time. you. Yeah. Long time. Started out at schmaltz together. We were schmaltzy boys. We were, we were, uh, selling, selling beer for schmaltz for, yep. for, for a period of time. Yours was a little bit of a brief stint, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think I did like maybe eight months and then, cause I was in school and, um, and then I had an opportunity to. Uh, move on to another project that I left on so it was fun and uh, I learned a great deal about the industry but it was like my first foray into like production side so you know that that was uh, that was good it's always good to start somewhere and and uh, I started right here in Clifton Park New York in so. Clifton Park New York yeah, yeah, good now, old Clifton Park yeah, now single cut no no more schmaltz no more schmaltz there nope. 518 craft down in Troy yeah for now to my knowledge I think yep yeah um, I mean, what did you think though? Like, just I mean, in terms of just learning, what do you feel like you learned even in that in that first gig there, uh, working on the production side? Um, so before that, I was at a I was working at a bar, and which um, bar? The Beer Abbey in Schenectady. Fair enough. And uh, I was there for about a year, and then um, departed for no real reason. Um, and I went back to school to do beverage uh, management and business administration because I thought um the schenectady count yeah County Community that, college yep, program yep, yeah sccc this was before it was like the program that it is now it was very loose and i actually didn't oh. finish the beverage management side because it got into like more food stuff that i didn't really want to do i, I just st- stuck with the business admin but I, I thought like if i couldn't you know run the bar very well i would learn how to so that's why i went back to school uh and then while i was in school i met a uh, uh, shelby and uh, uh, Shelby uh, Snyder, um, and she was head of marketing for Schmaltz, and we were having uh, an interesting discussion on my opinion of the brewery, and it was one of those moments where she's like, well, if you have so many opinions, you know, why don't you come work here? And I was like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> sounds good. I could use a job. Uh, I could use, yeah, that'd be nice. I'd I, like to get I'm paid. currently unemployed. Uh, and so I went to go work with her and uh, Dan Curry, 
and uh, yourself. Yeah. And uh, we had a great time. And I learned a lot about, um, I guess, the like what it takes and uh, like what goes into the production and, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Because, of course, you know, when you're working at a bar and like the guy in the suit comes and then like two days later, the kegs come and then the beer comes out of the, the faucet. You're like, cool. That's great. I like this. But then, you know, to really dive deeper into, you know, the the actual production of the liquid, it, it was really eye opening and it, it helped me understand, um, you know, more of the backside of, you know, dealing with distribution companies and dealing with, um, you know, the logistics of production and stuff like that. So and then, you know, what not to do as a salesperson and, you know, what mm-hmm. not to do with beer. And, 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 and I was sort of a, a snob at that point and held that, you know, that level of, you know, sort of excellence to even selling schmaltz which is why it, it went pretty well because they made some some beers that fit very specific needs and if you understood the product and understood what people needed you really hammered it home and honestly it was a great time you know going to festivals with those guys because you know they were an established brand people knew who they were um, and they had cool swag and you know that's all you really needed a beer festival at that time yeah, yeah for th- sure those events were fun um and then um, I moved back uh, into the Beer Abbey after working at Schmaltz for about, you know, just a little less than a year. It was about eight months. And then ran that until it, uh, it met its untimely demise. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the time at Schmaltz, I mean, for me, I was super green there, too. So uh, I was learning. Too. I was I was a reporter. I don't yes. know. I, I don't know I, why they thought it would be a good idea to hire me there. You had your little notepad and your pencil. I did. And they were like, "Put that down. You got to stop doing. You've that. got beer to work with now." Yeah. No. That was that was that was a wild time. And then like our our territory just grew and grew and grew exponentially. Yeah. After after you left, I think I picked up some of your areas too. So, yeah. but Dan Curry, that was a name I haven't heard in a minute too because I missed that dude. He was he was he was our boss. He was the guy that was uh, he he. The sales director, I guess, I sort he of was at head the stage of sales. too. Yeah. yeah, and he was the one that that, that kind of schlepped us around too, or just kind of made us. Yep. Uh, What's he doing now? What's he doing now? He. I feel like everyone from Schmaltzland is floating around somewhere in the capital district. Yeah, right? it, I mean, for those who had this territory, although the one guy for that was from Florida who moved here for the gig moved back to Florida. Yeah, but most of everyone is still around the area. I don't know if every, Dan is out of beer. Dan is yeah. now he has his he him and his wife run an Airbnb and I think now he does she like does real interior de- she does real estate yeah. and he does like interior design yeah, work. They like flip property together yeah. or something. Yeah, that's great. But yeah. they do like a good job so from what it looks different. like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so different. Yeah. 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 Dan either was from Distro. He was. Yeah, and because he was he doing was Budweiser, wasn't he? Or like uh, yeah, he worked for Eagle. Yeah. And then I, I believe I, Saratoga I could, Eagle yeah, for those who don't yeah. know, uh, which sorry. you probably know around here. Um, but yeah, and then he did Schmaltz, and then um, I mean, everyone kind of left at the same time. Shelby left to go work for I believe at that time was Saratoga Chamber of Commerce, I believe. And then the partnership. Yep. Yep. Whatever that was, yep. I think that still is that's a thing that I'm exists. Yeah. yeah. And then Dan left, and I left, and um, I took a while. Yeah. And, and then, we, you know, we all kind of stayed in the industry for the most part. I mean, I, yeah. but some of us didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different I, paths. No, I know. For some, too, it's just like when you're around beer so much, too, you got to step away. I That's had to step I away. Know. That's all I know. Well, I had to step away just because I was like, this is just unhealthy. I was like <laughs> drinking. Tea, I was just drinking beer, eating 
horrible food for me at all the different bars and that I went to and stuff like that. And I'm just like, this lifestyle is not, I, I, I will, my, my health is deteriorating. Yeah. Heavily. I have definitely been coined one of the more boring people in the industry. Cause I don't drink a lot. Really? And I don't boring. Well, all right. Maybe not because boring. you don't drink a lot. I, I, but I like the beer festival scene always like when I was working, the last thing I also wanted to do was drink. Because yeah. then I didn't want to work anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, and I always admired my colleagues that were able to, you know, throw them back while like doing, Do you know, a thing. festival like tap or something like that. But it just I, it never appealed to me. Um, I always wanted to be professional and being like the drunk guy in the industry was always like, Ugh. you know, I don't want to be that guy. So it kind of kept me out of trouble. Because I, you know, didn't get hammered at beer festivals and I and I like didn't get hammered at trivia nights. And, um, you know, it was very important to maintain that appearance because you were, you know, representing a company. So, yeah, you, you couldn't be like a like a total goof. You didn't want the memory of you to be like the stumbling drunk who threw it, up all over. Yeah. The bar. And I know that. Yeah, in, that's never good luck. Yeah. And this anywhere. Industry, no. Just like, even just as a human being. Just okay, in life. But yeah. I, I wasn't OK with it. I don't you know. So. I ha- do recognize there are some unhealthy aspects of this industry. That's for sure. <laughs> mm. I have luckily. That, it is a delicate balance, yeah, too, right? You have to be easy Hard with to it. find. But As we sit here and drink beers. Did, did, you know. Again, it's like no one needed. Lager no one sees this. It's basically not, water. It's our first one. It's not like we've had <laughs> five leading up to this. True. Well, the way you said well, it's our first one. The way you said it's well, our first one is there will be many more. A finite. <laughs> Yeah, this first is, of this is many a definitive, today. Definitive one and only. Yeah. This don't one. want to put a cap on it. Listen, I don't want to limit ourselves. No. Uh, yeah. no. Dude, I distinctly remember. I do. You were, we were in a gym, some sort of gym, like a, like a. I don't know if it was like a boys and girls club or what it was, but it was, we were just like sell. I, I don't even remember the event. It was. That's um, where what we. That was one of the memories that sticks out with you. That was a festival that I think it was a charity event for the boys and girls club. Okay. And we were at the I boys and wrong. girls club, and um, it was really weird because mm-hmm. it was for kids, mm-hmm. and it was at a place for kids, and we were yep. selling alcohol. Yep. And or it, just pouring for free. Well, actually. We, it was just sampling. Yeah, we didn't sell. Yeah, but so were people getting hammered at this kids' event? I'm sure, they were. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like there's always like, and I've done some events. I've uh, and and there's you meet people that do events that are always like, yeah, like let's have this family function, and like let's do something for the dads, and they're like, let's have <laughs> beer at this like kids' fair, which doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you know, the only thing I will say is that it, it, it is nice to see, you know, the beverage industry tie into the local community with charitable events like that. Yeah. But you really got to, like, pick the crowd a little bit better. I mean, the Boys and Girls Club, I guess, is an interesting choice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting way to raise money. Yep. But, I mean, also, is it a terrible idea? Because who doesn't? Well, I'm sure there's some people that don't love alcohol, but I mean, you know, especially parents, especially parents. I don't know a lot of parents that don't love alcohol. <laughs> right. I know some some need like that escape. Yeah, it's like medicine. Um, <laughs> I've done some weird ones. I did a, a tasting one time for artisanal um, at a rock climbing gym, um, which was smel- safe. It was smelly. Well, so they weren't allowed to like they would climb and then drink. They weren't allowed to go back and forth. OK, gotcha. it, it was very well organized. But it, it, it was so there was a, a bar in um, in Syracuse called the Evergreen. And the manager at the time had a relationship with this rock climbing gym. And they would do this event like once a month 
and he would come with food and he would bring a brewery and there was like live music and someone selling like trinkets and it was like a really great idea on paper until you realize you're like it's january and the doors are shut and it smells like feet and and it really really smells like feet it really does they they really smell like feet there it, it was ferocious yeah. and i'm like oh this is bad I like the the word ferocious with that because well, it's such a good way. It it's, was, a, it's an apt description of. It was what such it's a about. fun a time to hang out with this bar manager and like ferocious meet all these people, stench. and I ended up meeting a young lady, and we got involved with another beer festival because of her. That was also awesome. It was like, it, I think it was called Beaver Lake Beer Festival. That didn't smell like feet. No, this was awesome because you like hiked. Now, less awesome. I brought sixels and a jockey box and a giant CO two tank, Oof. but we had to hike into the woods and we were on a trail so people would walk this trail through the state park or this beaver lake park and every like 50 feet or so was a brewery now i was the farthest out and i brought a jockey box and i was oh my god yeah it was awful so i like looked at this young person it sounds like a great festival the festival was fantastic that sounds like a great time it was great to work and the people were awesome just they were it was their first year logistics were not very well thought out and i looked at this guy who was just sitting there in a golf cart and i was like can you take me back and he's like oh we're not really supposed to do that and i'm like listen dude look at what i have you know i'm not trying to be a pain in the butt but i'm also you know look at me i'm not hiking all this stuff in it can, was like a mile and a half into the woods it can was, we just lose logistics for a second yeah. like man come on i was like please i'll give you a beer i have a couple <laughs> so he was like yes and then on the i saw him like tooling around and i was like hey bro I'm literally going to toss you 20 bucks to pick me up when this is done cuz otherwise I'm going to like I'm going to get lost in the woods and perish. The one thing that I did enjoy though working festivals when your distributor was involved mm-hmm. was Logistics. they just brought all that shit. Yeah, no, that's You didn't awesome. have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, being self-distro you're like working twice as hard, you know. Right. But, you know, at least you know I listen. That is true, but I've also show, showed up to beer festivals where your jockey box doesn't have any gaskets in it. Well, <laughs> or you don't have your beer didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're standing there. And you're like, what do I do? Let um, me just give you guys some trinkets. Yeah, I have POS and that's it. Um, I worked. Uh, uh, I used to do these events at Saratoga, um, uh, um, the golf course, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, not spa. The other one. Saratoga National. Yeah, National. Duh. And um, our distributor at the time when I worked for Artisanal Brew Works out of Saratoga had a very good relationship with National. So we were always at the events. But there were several events that I went to where the producer, like, we're not just talking reps. We're talking, like, the owner or the producer were there. Right. And right. the beer was not. And it was like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? Oh so they would God. just walk around and get drunk, which was cool. But, like, also, you know, to speak on that, you know, you would think the logistics would be handled. But. Sometimes it's easier just to handle them yourself. Mm-hmm. So, no, nah, that's fair. You know, that way you know it's done. Yeah. I think one of the weirdest ones that I did, though, was at a Jewish community center selling for Schmaltz. That's all. Yeah, of course. Like, of course. Of course. Like, you had to. Duh. I don't know why, though. Like, it was weird because there was some times where you're just like, am I. Do you guys find this funny or do you think we're making fun of you? Uh, but, like, yeah. yeah that was. I, but, I mean, that was just sort of some of the pitfalls that you kind of fan. Like, I mean, it made sense because most of the time people got it. But it was just like that was just me second guessing myself where I'm like, We're yeah, cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> I talked to a couple real Jewish people about Schmaltz and some thought it was funny and some didn't. And I guess that's how life is. That's how it is. Some man. people are gonna like your jokes and some people aren't. Hopefully, um, the majority of the people like them, otherwise you're just a jerk. <laughs> it seems yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um so 
one thing I'm actually curious about, because I don't think we've ever talked about this. I mean, what was your initial venture into like craft beer? Like what introduced you to that? Or were you drinking stuff before that? Or how, how did this go for you? So I tell this story two ways it's it oh wow you get asked this a lot yeah because people used man to i thought like, i had like a novel question no for no you. this is a great question because <laughs> a lot of people like you know no one just wakes up one day and is like i'm into nice beer like you just don't do that like it, it is a transition and and the story that i tell my mom will never listen to this which is why i'll tell the truth cool um is that i started drinking good beer at a young age and we're not talking like super young but I was 21, right? And you know, while my friends were like, you know, playing beer pong with like, you know, Miller Lite and Beast and Milwaukee's Best, and you know, God bless Molson Triple X every now and then. Keystone, but, uh, yeah, Keystone ever? Okay. Anything we could get our hands on, bro. We were like 17. Yeah. So. Oh, well, whoa, my, whoa, whoa, no! You were 21. Really? You were 21. Was, yes, listen, 21. no, no one, no one sold it to me. I found it in the woods, and uh, it was, I, you know, it was great. So, anyways, um. So my, my good friend at the time, um, Mr. Uh, X, uh, was, uh, <laughs> he, he was uh, German descent, and his father was German, and he, um, you know, was second generation German. And so when we were hanging out, he introduced me to this strange format of beer called a 750, and, and, <laughs> and it was this, this stuff called um, uh, Le Fin du Monde. And and um, uh, uh, that's fancy. Cezanne Dupont. Fuck, and, look at you. Um, when you were seventeen. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. It was Cezanne Dupont. Like great. that's what you were drinking at seventeen. Yeah. You know. I only knew so, about Meisterbrow like, when I was seventeen. And like Omagong, you know, was very like. So my uncle's from Cooperstown, and he used to be good friends with the owners of Omagong before they mm-hmm. sold out. And so there, I have all sorts of hilarious stories about that. But, like, when I would go over to his house for Thanksgiving, there would be, like, a keg of, like, hennepin in the kegerator. And I, nice. being that's maybe not, that's not fair. potentially younger than 17, was like, hmm, this is funny tasting. And he didn't care, which is inappropriate, but also God bless him. I like the vagary <laughs> that you gave with that, too. Potentially younger than 17. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I was exposed to this, you know, quality, you know, that was above and beyond what most young folks were consuming. Because... Let's, you know, who are we lying? I mean, everyone drinks beer in high school, except for really good kids that are now. Me. Like, yeah. I was me. It was only until senior year that I actually started, like, drinking. Well, I was just going to say really good boys. And really? There, there is, Hi. That's the really good Hi. boy right here. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't lie. I'm your no, it was kid. literally, Major I'm telling you, man. confusion on my yeah. face right now. Like, St. Like, Patrick's Day what? of my senior year of high school was the first time I tried. Really? It was a killing... It was a fucking Irish car bomb. Dang, dude. You went straight off the there cliff. There you go. I blame my friends. Yeah. I did not yeah. fare well that evening. Yeah, so like a normal night, we would drink, you know, a couple less quality beers. And one night, I went over to my friend Mr. X's house, and he um, had this, like, weird bottle. And I was like, what is that? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't What is that? And he's like, oh, it's a beer. And I go, mm, no. And I was like, why do you only have one beer? We're going to be here for hours. And he's like, he's like, listen, my friend. Uh, this is called Hennepin, and um, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't Hennepin. It was Delirium Tremens. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, okay, and, Jesus. And, uh, yes, sorry, because I still have the bottle, believe it or not. Um, and That same bottle from that day? Absolutely. Oh, my God. This was a life-changing moment yeah. because we got three sheets to the wind on a 750 um, by ourselves in the woods of Charlton. And it was like this really crazy experience because, um, first of all, it tasted great. It, it, it was this really, really like different experience as far as flavor goes. 
and I'm real big into flavor, whether it be food, beer, liquor, cocktails. So it tasted good. And it also was very strong. And, and I was like a little dumbfounded that, you know, we didn't drink 12 beers or, you know, 30 beers or whatever. Because it's all about the number. Yeah. And uh-huh. this was like really, really strong. So I was like, that's cool. I like this stuff now. And then from literally that point out, I, I, I made it my goal to seek things out and to ask questions and to, you know, be like, what is what is, you know, this beer? What is a Belgian triple um, you know, w- w- what is a Saison? My uncle, um, again, you know, not basically uh, something happened at a certain brewery where a certain palate of a, of a certain beer called Saison DuPont was damaged and to be destroyed. And uh, it found its way into my uncle's hands due to his relationship. Magic it, is a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's, it was like, presto changeo, you have a palate of Saison DuPont. And I remember washing those bottles with him and then he filled three fridges with them and for like three years in a row thanksgiving was lit and um <laughs> and, and and drinking you know saison dupont as like a 19 20 year old and you're like this is exquisite and this is just like really like if this is what beer is all over the world you know i really like beer and then in high school um you know right around this these moments of self-discovery i i, I went to germany and germany oh, has man. some beer yeah i've been told yeah and um I, yeah and i tried beers over there and like i was aware of what americans considered a lager and i did not like those and there's a lot of reasons why um and, and then i tried what germans considered lager and I was like, mm, different. And, and I was really, you know, kind of dumbfounded at how, like, you know, my one friend thought he was really, you know, fancy because he would drink Heineken's. And I, I love Heineken. I was that person. Yeah, yeah, I love Heineken. But it had this, like, funk. And you're like, oh, that's what European beers taste like. It funky. And, and then you realize that, <laughs> no. The, the, it's no, the, it's not. It's the glass. And then when I went to Amsterdam when I was 17, there was this gentleman. He was in full, like, literally hat shirt pants socks shoes heineken everything and he was pedaling around this little bike that was heineken and it was this cooler and it looked like a little ice cream truck but it was a kegerator Mm -hmm. and he was selling heineken's for a two euro and um this is when the dollar was strong so this was so he's like do you want a heineken and i was like yeah sure and i like tried it and i was like is is this like a different kind like i fancied myself informed and i was like is this a special kind of heineken he's like no this is heineken lager I'm like, but why does it taste this way? And he goes, you're an American, aren't you? And I go, go, yeah, I am. He goes, you've never had a good Heineken before because, you know, the green bottle. And that's when I learned about light infection. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is crisp and fruity and refreshing. And there's no European funk. It is literally, like, crystal clear. So then I, like, started to ask questions about all of that and, like, why – you know, why does Corona taste like that? Well, it, it's the bottle. Why does Heineken taste the way it does? And then, you know, we I don't know if anyone remembers the keg cans. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, the keg cans were from Amsterdam. They were actually Dutch Heineken, and it wasn't, you know, light struck. So that was the way to procure a proper Heineken. So, you know, doing a little bit of educated research allowed me to seek out, you know, the good stuff. And and then I was working in healthcare and, 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 and still just drinking lovely beer and spending time at Mahars and Lionheart and, and you know, now 21. Oh, Actually, Mahars. yeah, I do too. Oh. It was such a sweet place. Great place. Never had the opportunity to oh, go. Oh, just excellent. Yeah. It, it was excellent until it wasn't. Sadly, right. the last time I went to Mahars was super disappointing and I knew it was over. 
Um, but it, you know, you used to go in Mahars. You know, if anyone is familiar with what is considered old money beer, which is what I pride myself in, um, Mahars was one of the best bars in the world to go to. I think Michael Jackson, the beer reviewer, not the pop star, oh. um, listed it as in like I think it was in the top ten beers in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean bars, not beers. Mm-hmm. Really excellent. You used to go, they'd you'd put in a number that corresponded with your identity and you had the old school database yeah yeah they had this old computer it was like green and then you'd you'd get your name out of the binder you'd put your name your number into the computer and what it would do is it would print out this menu and it was called beers around the world and i kid you not when i would first go there this was you know 22 drafts plus you know like seven cask engines and then 12 15 pages of beer from all over the world and you would drink them and the bartender would cross them off and you would turn your packet in and what he was supposed to do god bless bill's heart is he was supposed to put them back in the system so when you printed the list again you never got repeats i don't think that worked because i drank hogarden like a dozen times um (laughs) but then you would earn points and you would get shirts and prizes and the ultimate point was they would buy you a case of whatever you wanted and the move was to buy semi-klaus because for the money and the ABV, that was the best that like, you would get a case of semi-Klaus. And that was a move. And so I, I spent a lot of time there, and I was working for uh, various different healthcare organizations. I was, I, I was a phlebotomist for 10 years before I um, joined the beverage industry. And I, I read about, um, I was working at um, Capital uh, Care Family Practice Niskayuna, living in Schenectady, and I found this ad in the paper for this place that was opening up in Schenectady called the Beer Abbey. And I went and met with the owner, George, and he proclaimed that it was going to be 30 draft lines, a beer engine, there was going to be three different coolers, so three different temperatures, and um, individual flow control on every faucet, and individual gas on... It was just like... For, like, what bars were and what I was experienced with at, like, 23, 24, it was crazy for me. Yeah. I said, I don't care what I have to do. I want to come work here. And I worked there for a year as a bartender and did a little bit of floor management. And then we parted ways. And, I, uh, like I said earlier, I went back to school. And then I was at Schmaltz. And then I went back to the Beer Abbey. And then the Beer Abbey closed. And then I that's how I met Kurt and Colin from Artisanal Brew Works. And I ended up there for four years. And then I left there to go work in Albany at the City Beer Hall. So it's been kind of a fun little trip because uh, yeah. healthcare was kind of whack. And uh, I didn't know you were full of bottom. Like I can't believe to get you like getting you on here. I'm now learning you're full. You were a full. Yeah, I. Um, so I, my dad is a physician, right. and he has uh, had a practice in Rotterdam. And when I was, um, um, when I I used to work for him in the lab, and I would like dip pee and do blood pressures and you know, do glucose tests and things like that. And one day, one of the nurses asked me if I wanted to draw blood. And again, just like the, the beer story, the, 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 the way I got there is kind of hilarious because it isn't this big formal production. I went to a hotel where a, 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 an instructor, an instructor taught us how to draw blood in, and then we practiced in eight hours and that was it. And then you have to do 100 draws in a year under the super, uh, supervision of a licensed phlebotomist or an RN, and then you can draw blood on your own. And you yeah. do 100. I did 100 draws in, like, six weeks just because, you, you know, you have, you know, 20 people a day in a doctor's sure. office getting their blood drawn. It's very hard to not do 100 draws in a year. And that, I was 17 when I did that. And um, I drew blood all through college because my parents said if I wanted to move off of campus, I had to get a job. So since I 
knew how to draw blood, I went to work for the Oswego Hospital. And then from the Oswego Hospital, it was um, uh, back to Rotterdam and then uh, St. Peter's for a little while and then uh, Niskayuna and, um, and then beer. Do you go out to school mm-hmm. in Oswego? Yeah, right? yeah. I, I went to SUNY Oswego. Okay, yeah, right on. Yep, yep, yep. It was a good time until it snowed. Well, you could say that probably for a lot of places, I guess. This was, I loved snow until I, do too. Until I went to Oswego. And it ruined me. Oswego does this thing where they have, like, this lake effect because you're right on the shores of Lake Ontario. So I would go clean my car off and then start it and then come back inside and, like, shower and get dressed and come out. And there'd be, like, a foot and a half of snow on my car. (laughs) And it's like, I don't don't want that. My uh, senior year, we got, um, it's like 14 feet in seven days. They had to, like, have people come. Like, it was National Guard digging people out of their houses. That's Is not that fun. the same college where they have like the lines or yes. yeah ropes to yeah, follow? Be, yeah, so in case of a white they don't do that. They actually the it's year insane. that I went, they stopped doing it. But what it is, it's the wind. The wind that comes off Dude. the lake is so yep. extreme. They used to tell us there was days um, where they'd be like, if you're under 120 pounds, you can't go outside. And there one year, a tree blew over. The wind blew a whole tree over into a, like it hit a car. And this lady was just driving on campus, and the, it killed her. So, like, we – the school closed because of wind. Oh my God. Yeah, so the wind was crazy. So they ended up building, like, tunnels in between the dorms and the dining hall so you didn't have to go outside. But, yeah, in the old days, up until about 2005, they would put ropes between the buildings, and you would have to hold the rope to that go – Yeah, it's like, yeah, let's go to school here. Sounds great. <laughs> but, of course, like – I'm op- sure that's not in the packets. I was going to say, they, well, they open probably didn't in June. tell you that, right, yeah, during so the go, orientation or whatever. Like light breeze off of the lake. It's a great time. Birds are singing. Yeah, and then, like – We're not going to tell you shit about yeah, the winter. September yeah. comes, and it rains and until death. November, <laughs> and then it snows. And I worked for this guy. Uh, his name was Ed um, at the uh, Oswego Hospital, and he was a cornball. No other way to put it. He used to tell jo- this joke to the same – the same joke to everyone that would come from out of town and I witnessed it in person because he told it to my dad who came to visit me at work one time and he goes you know Oswego has snow until July and you're uh, no June I'm sorry and you're like no it's not possible shut up and he goes no it, it is and you're, you like argue with him and he like loved he was one of those people that like lived to argue and what he was talking about was that all the snow from the whole city would get plowed and put into piles and then put into dump trucks and they would dump it in the walmart parking lot and this was like a 40 foot mountain of snow during like a peak season and that would take until the middle of june to melt so this this was his joke that like oh there's snow here till june it's not really a joke it was terrible and he was terrible and his jokes were just the worst but like it was such a like a corny like, dude, like, how many years? You've probably been telling that joke for 30 years. He clearly made a good impression on you, though. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't like him. He made much. an impression, which yeah. is... An impression can, in general. That yeah. can go either way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just... One, that's one of the more interesting kind of ventures into craft beer that yeah. I've heard. But, you know, you, you mentioned, though, you've been on all the different sides mm-hmm. uh, and just in terms of in terms of beer. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the you know, production and the selling, you know, all of this... What has been like sort of the most interesting part of you, or or, or or part of sort of that journey? I mean, you know, is it the beer buying side? Is it the part where you actually have to sell it? I mean, what is it for you that has been the most sure. interesting? Sure. So I like selling beer because I'm good at it, and if you sell a product that is good and you stand behind it, sales come naturally. That's just the way selling things works. 
Um, and, you know, and obviously it takes a little bit of razzle dazzle too, because there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of people making really good beer and, uh, you got to fight for those draft lines, you know, but, um, I like being in restaurants. I like food. Um, and I like to eat. And, um, so being on that side of things is, is good for me, uh, because I always would be bummed out when you would go to a restaurant and they would have an exquisite menu and the chef sourced the ingredients from all over and the wine list was finely curated and the draft list was like the same six things that the local distributor sells and it's like well why aren't you putting any thought and care into that you know and and for a long time i think people just didn't don't didn't and still don't take beer seriously and you see you know a lot of fine dining establishments where like they Everything is great except for their beer. And it's like, why, why, why? Like, there's no need for that. And it's like an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And so what's kind of nice is that um, I, I work for a place now and worked for a place before. Uh, I worked for Craft on Nine for a little while, right before the pandemic happened as a bartender. And I, I, I like where places also care about the beer. Because, like, working with um, Chef Demetrios at the City Beer Hall, for me... Like, if you know me as a person, this is that's dream come true stuff. Like, he is... Yeah, because he's so into he is He's like, so into the craft like not oh God, Trying yeah. not to, like, be too corny, but, like, Chef D is, like, one of my heroes. He is he is what got me into the culinary scene in the area. He is the reason that I love beer pairings. I mean, his beer dinners are, like, a, an exceptional experience. Oh, yeah. His uh-huh. passion is ridiculous. And to be able to work with him now is a dream come true. And the City Beer Hall is again one of those places where the food is very well thought out the spirits are curated the wine list is considered and the beer list is also very well thought out and i i um really enjoy uh sculpting that because i feel like it works harmoniously with everything else that goes on in that building and it's an educational experience because people get to taste new things with food they get to try flavors that they've never had before and that is also my objective in the beer industry is to educate people like yes you had an ipa in 1995 and you didn't like it sure there are other ipas now yeah okay you had a sour beer one time it was probably terrible why don't you try a good one um you know lagers aren't trash why don't you drink some um and 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 it's part of this education that i've always sort of tried to do in every job i've ever worked is that you want to expose people to things so that way they go home and they talk to their friends and they're like hey you know i tried this crazy food at this bar and they also had a really good beer that i liked and maybe i don't hate lagers and you know maybe ipas aren't pine cone water and you know and so it's 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 nice to be in that position to facilitate people's like cultural expansion it, it, i i do enjoy that Having control over purchasing is like really kind of like bonkers for me because, it, you know, I get to talk and think about so many wonderful products from all over the world. And it, it like harkens back to my my like my starting in the industry where I got to like go look at all the weird beers and talk about the weird beers. And like, yeah, there's a whole world of beer that like is, you know, I, I, I hate the term, but people call it like new money and it's like the new guard of craft and and, and it's what the kids are into and it's what people line up around the building for. And that's great. We, we sell that stuff too because we're a business and we need to make money. Uh-huh. But I, that doesn't mean I don't also have like some wild lines on where, you know, I have like a two-year-old keg of, 
you know, Belgian, you know, beer that is exquisite or some barley wine, you know, or just stuff that kind of like allows people to remember the, the, not the good times, but, you know, the, the old. The, the roots. Old, yeah, the roots, exactly. The good times, as if they're gone. Uh, well, they, you know, they're not because they're lagers making back a, there somewhere. Yeah, lagers making a a, a a fierce comeback. I wanted to ask you about it. what do you think about that in terms of that we are. I mean, we're transitioning towards that. I cut my or teeth we're there on Pilsner, yeah, and I will die with Pilsner in my hand. It is <laughs> it is full circle. I mean, I used to love big stouts and IPAs and pale ales, and now all I really want to drink is. Hellas Lager and, and Lambic, and, mm-hmm. and mm. that's and that's it. And I'm like now even not that I'm like growing up, but I'm expanding now into wine and stuff too. So like, beer serves a purpose for me. I want it to taste good and I want it to be refreshing. You know, I don't really need it to do much more than that, but I need it to do those things really well. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it like has that place, um, and and I really appreciate that. You know, brewers and breweries are making lagers. Uh, you know, shout out to a glimpse of Bavaria, <laughs> hashtag Bavarian kisses. Um, it is, it's just great. It's great for me because it's what beer is. I mean, yeah, sh- cool. You can put, you know, 7,500 pounds of fruit puree into a sour and, 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 and it tastes so good. I'm not saying it doesn't taste good, but that's not like really a beer anymore. It's kind of just like a carbonated fruit drink. And, and that's fine. That's good too. Yeah. I'm not, no knock, but, um, it's not what I want, and um, I'm never in the mood for a cup of fruit um, like that in that sense. And, and, and I've experienced some of those breweries and really appreciate the technique and the effort that they put forth into crafting their product. And I really can't help to, uh, you know, notice the, like, the following that they have, and that's cool. It's getting more people into beer, but, you know, hopefully they try other beers and they yeah. don't yeah. just drink, you know, double IPAs and, and, fruit, and fruit cans. Um, cause there's a lot of beer out there in the world. And, um, I think that, um, you know, the IPA specifically has done, the IPA has done things for the beer industry that I don't think any other beer ever has because, you know, you have this new England IPA that, you know, started to peak its head out in like 2008, 2009. And now you have, you know, I used to do tastings at, you know, for, different breweries at beverage centers and you know you'd stand there and you're you'd get this like typical beverage center person who is you know the guy that got off at like two you know works construction Mm -hmm. you know manual labor gets off at two you know he comes in the center he gets a pack of smokes and like 10 years ago he would have gotten a 30 rack of something and and been on his way or a 12 pack or a 24 nice bush yeah whatever it is you know now they're getting a six pack of bush and they're getting a 12 pack of sloop juice bomb. And I just want to walk up to them and shake them and be like, dude, where did you like, who showed you this? Where did you learn about this? Like, like, I think it's wonderful what the IPA has done because it is, it is sort of like stepping stone to a lot of people. It's a gateway drug. Big time. Big For time. Sure. It is. And I, and like, you know, shout out sloop. Cause they like, you know, they, they, they took that, that beer that a lot of people absolutely hated. It's the Sam Lager of, or Sam Adams of like fucking ex- yeah, hops, IPAs. Almost, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and they really just kind of like made it so approachable and, and it's very hard. Like I get it if you don't necessarily like that, but it's easier to like that than it is some of the IPAs of yesteryear because they're, a, you know, a lot more bracing, a lot more piney and resinous and, 
And I, don't get me wrong, I, I love those beers. Yeah. I, I love West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. But I, I totally understand why not everyone loves those. And, yeah. and, and so it's just nice to see the education happening and, and, and the exposure because that's what we're in this for is to, you know, kind of elevate the local industry and, and allow people to understand that there's a lot of good beer made right here in New York and you don't necessarily need to travel over. I mean, bless your heart if you do you know go show support all over but you don't need to anymore there's a lot of good beer right here and, right and, and and that's why i'm in the industry it's why i worked with the capital craft beverage trail it's why i worked with breweries it's why i work with the bar that i work with now because i you know i want to um i want to elevate the craft beer community right here in new york i mean for sure i mean I, I, and a couple of things that i kind of want to go on from what you said earlier sure first off i love the fact that you referred to uh older ipas as uh pine cone juice yeah but yeah. also i've heard that before why why do you think that some restaurants these ones that do have like just a fantastic food menu don't seem to or want to put good put thought into to good beer dinosaurs okay they just don't understand. They're just, they don't know how to old move guard, forward. Old guard. You got a 60-year-old bar manager who, you know... They're drink, just hung up on they, wine they, and shit? Or? Yeah, they don't know. I mean, you, it requires exposure. Well, I think, I think part of it, too, is the fact that in the culinary world, it's always been a natural thought to pair food with wine. Sure. Right. And so beer does become an afterthought. Beer becomes just that thing that you have for the people that are like... I don't really like wine. Can I just get a pour a bud? Yep. Right. And that, and, right. And that's With my a, steak. That's like or a very whatever. old school archaic mentality. And I feel like that is starting to change Absolutely. a little bit where people are like, oh, if they see, specifically see on a menu, oh, I can pair these different beers with these different dishes. Yep. Oh, I can think about this differently because I actually like beer. Like maybe right. yeah, I feel like having a four percent beer instead of a mm-hmm. you know twelve and up percent glass of wine. Exactly, exactly. And then that's why the beer dinners at the City Beer Hall and other places that I've gone to are so special for me because you're having a fine dining experience with a f- like equally fine beer, and it's allowing people to understand that like it's not just like a baseball game and peanut and chicken wing thing you can have eloquent dishes that pair delightfully with beers and 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 again you know i i think people are just they just need that exposure i've met purchasers that you know they like beer but they don't want to bring it in because they think their customers aren't going to like it come on dude i mean that's old school that's again it's uninformed you know and and then i think also um people get hung up on the price of beer um, because, you know, well-made beer is not, you know, $40 for a half barrel, and nor should it be. Right. But then I, 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 I giggle at those people because they mark up their liquor like 800%. Yeah. So, like, why can't you mark up beer 400% and just sell good beer? You know, it's still you're still making profit. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think um, people don't run the business in the sense like they it's all bottom you know it's all math and and bottom line and that's fine but you know dang man if it weren't for blended margins i wouldn't be able to buy some of the kegs i mean i that jay wakefield keg was like 325 dollars for a sixtal right so like that's but that's a special thing that you don't get very often and and it takes understanding what you're you're selling to sell it you know so that way you're not just like oh yeah it's expensive it's from florida you know you gotta really talk about 
you know why and who they are and what they did and know the ingredients what, what that go into is, it yeah, yeah. so it's not thought about much at all and when i you try and explain that to people yeah, too. yeah most people don't understand that so they don't they don't put it on the menu and they don't care because they don't understand and they don't think about it so you know yeah, it's a shame sure. but it is what it is and it is changing i mm-hmm. do agree because i i do see you know finer establishments serving finer things mm-hmm. so no, for sure. And uh, no, it, and it's weird because, yeah, you just don't have that respect for beer in a lot of ways. And, it's, and it is nice that we are moving on from that. And it is nice to have places like City Beer Hall that do sort of appreciate it and spotlight it in that way, too. But, I mean, the one thing, though, that you mentioned, too, and I think it is sort of interesting just knowing from probably your, obviously, experience in the Beer Abbey and now at City Beer Hall being on the purchasing end. And you mentioned it. You don't have to go very far to find really amazing beer. You can you can just be here in New York. I mean, what do you think, though, just kind of where we're at just in terms of the scene? How do you think it's evolved, and, and where do you think we're at now? I mean, it kind of feels like we have so many good options where you just, yeah, you don't have to travel far. Even within the state of New York, you could even just be in the capital region and sure. find some great stuff. Sure, Yeah, so um, for a while there, um, a lot of the breweries that were local were – you know, all kind of brewing the same thing. And, and I don't think it's bad, but I, I like to call it pub beer. You know, everyone has a brown ale and a pale ale and a stout that's dry and Irish. And everyone has a, a single West Coast IPA. And, and everyone was kind of doing like the same eight things. And, and that's great because some people were doing them well and, you know, some people weren't. But it is what it is. I think now what we're starting to see is this need to, you know, bend the rules and experiment which is what the craft beer industry has been doing and and i think it's nice to see you know as i you know as i look at the list in front of me too you know you have a lot of new different styles and techniques and 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 you're giving people a variety and you're bending the rules and 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 you're kind of like showing them a new world and i think the scene has done a really good job specifically in New York. I mean, obviously we can talk about, you know, Hudson and, um, you know, New York City. Like the lower Hudson Valley. Sure. Those, there's great breweries from, you know, the bottom of Long Island all the way up to northern New York. But I'm talking about the Capital District because that's where I live, uh, which is the 518 uh, around Albany area. Mm -hmm. um, That, um, you know, there's a lot of breweries that are doing a really good job of, you know, brewing what they do really well and having a nice portfolio. Um, you know, you, there's something to be said about breweries that brew too many things and try too many things. And there's also something to be said about breweries that like only brew one kind of beer. And you're like, all right, th- those are those places are good for what they are. But it, it, it makes more sense, in my opinion, um, when you do um, a few things really well. And um, I think what's really nice about the scene here is that I literally don't have a need to drive more than, um, you know, an hour and a half from my house to get really good beer. I Mm -hmm. I just absolutely don't. I don't need to go anywhere else. I I can stay here. Um, I'm supporting the local community. I'm supporting people that I enjoy spending time with, which is also, you know, a big thing because, you know, it sucks when you find a product that's really good and, you know, maybe the owner's a dingus or the brewer's a jerk, you know, and, and it, it's nice when, like, you know, you meet people that are nice people and they also make good beer. It, it's worse when they're nice people and they make terrible beer and you're like, oh, buddy, I don't know how to say yeah, this. I can't say Heart, this yeah. to your Like, I love you. I love you as a friend, but not a brewer. Right. Um, or a brewery owner. Um, but 
I will say it's been a delight to watch the scene in the Capital District just explode and, and with a lot of quality product made by quality people. So it, it you know, it makes me happy. I mean, you know, you brought you even brought the word dingus to the podcast. Again, just words that I haven't really, you know, pine cone water, dingus, ferocious, you know, ferocious, also good. Uh, the vocabulary in this man is is, is exquisite. I'm uh, trying. No, you're doing great. <laughs> um, but like, so, I mean, and, and I fall into this pitfall as well. Is it just you need something that's foreign? The reason why you got to drive further, the reason why you got to go to other places, why you can't just stay local. I, is that the draw? I think that's what it is. I, I mean, I'm sure we could discuss for hours what the psychology of right. supporting local is. I, I think that for a while that, you know, maybe. For a while, the area wasn't doing what everyone wanted. You know, there was no... I think a lot of it's habit-driven now. Yeah, well, it is now. Because of that. But, like, in 2012, there was no one in the immediate area that was, like, a powerhouse IPA place. Right, right. There was no one brewing, like, absolutely bonkers Belgians. You know, like, Omegong was doing it, but, like, their Belgians were all... All of their Belgians are, like, adulterated. They're not just, like... They don't have just a Saison or a Triple. You know, and that's fine. But, like, you know, the reason why... What drew me to Artisanal so aggressively was they poured a Belgian triple that was just a Belgian triple and it tasted right. like Belgium. I was yeah. like, this is awesome. Like way to go traditional style, well executed. And that's what like drew me in. Now, obviously they have changed very aggressively since then. And, and that's not any fault of their own. I mean, they're very driven by what the market demands and, and that's kind of, you know, unfortunate sometimes, but also fortunate in the sense that the business is successful and, and they have lots of employees and they're expanding. Um, you know, you can't just brew beer for Dan all the time. Otherwise, you're probably not going to make any money. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it's nice to see that those things that people used to travel for, crazy farmhouse ales, you know, wild IPAs, cool sours, that's all here now. And, and it's yeah. here and it's being done well. Um, so you really, you know, I think, though, that the habit is there and people have their breweries from far away that they really appreciate. And that's good. They're cool people and those are cool breweries. But... I, it's not really necessary now, and I think a lot of that preconceived notion that, you know, because it's made 20 minutes away, it's not the best is kind of a weird, you know, that's weird for I'd me. I'd feel fortunate if that's what it was. It like, would, that's why I feel, like, before I started working here, it was like, oh, my God, direction. I can drive here and get yeah, this? Yeah, it would almost skew me in the other direction where being close to it would actually make it better than it really is. Yeah. You know, but that's me. I'm a creature of convenience, so... Um, you know, yeah, I like driving five hours to go get really, really good beer, and that's fun. But then it takes a whole friggin' day, and you're spending tons of money, and mm-hmm. you know, and it's like inconvenient as hell. And then you have to adhere to, you know, different places. Like, you know, beer, breweries are not all nine to five. Some of them have stupid, weird hours, and they have stupid, weird rules. And you know, and that's fine. That's their own choice. They're business owners, but it's not like a super easy way to go about procuring beer. No, it's it's not the easiest at all. Um, oh, I'm just now getting when you said brewing for Dan, you meant yourself. Yeah, me. Yeah, right. Like if if I owned a brewery, all I would brew is Hellas Lager and and <laughs> and, and, and Lambic, and I'd I'd be belly up in six months, and that'd be that. But I would have some really good beer that first batch, you know. Are or, we? Your, what is your favorite Lambic? Um. Ooh. Uh, oh boy. You can you can doodle on it too. Yeah, so like I know there's the big Cantillon versus you know Dry Fontaine and 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 uh, and and um, and and I like them both. Um, I like Lacto. I like Brett. Um, I I'm in the mood for either. Um, I know it polarizes some people, 
Um, God. I would have to say probably Cantillon. Um, I mean, Fu. Fu is exquisite. Mm. Fu Fien is just like god-tier liquid. Unfortunately, exceptionally unattainable. But when I get my hands on one, I'm super pleased. Uh, it's really good. I like it a lot. I also really, really like um, Hansen's. Uh, they make the... Uh, sh sh I can't say it because I can't say it. But it's the special cherry, the Sharambika sh Creek. Uh, it's the special cherry, the Scarambique, Scarabica. Mm, yeah. um, I can't say it right. Um, but it's a special cherry that they use. It's not just their regular creek. Um, that is also an exquisite product, too. Um, so much so that I have a case of it that I got from the Beer Abbey, rest in peace, when it closed <laughs> and left all that beer upstairs. Um, <laughs> I got a whole case of it, and every bottle so far has been still. And it's huh. still really good. I still really enjoy it. But oh, wow. it, it has no bubbles. <laughs> mm. huh. Yeah, Not a single one so far. I mean, I'm eight into twelve. <laughs> so there, there are no bubbles. <laughs> I don't think they're ever gonna have bubbles. It doesn't seem it. I don't think it, it, eight out of twelve at this stage. Yeah, you would think yeah. one maybe, but when you have five in a row that are still, you're like, this will always be still. <laughs> um, I mean, the one thing I'm kind of curious about, just sort of in your perspective, then, I don't know if it's a burst. I don't think it has. I mean, are we ever gonna just see like that bubble of like IPAs burst? No, no. Um, no, I, I, that's such a negative thing. I think what you're going to start to see is like mediocrity get filtered out. But okay. That, I mean, look at like Applebee's. The millennials have killed Applebee's. What do you mean? Well, Applebee's are closing locations. They, right. They're not doing so well. I think that as people move on and become more aware of what they're putting in their bodies and where it's coming from and how it's made, which is something that I'm seeing in all facets of life right now. I think that people are going to stop being accepting of things that are not as good. And I think that I don't think the, the there will be a bubble, but I think that like some of these like big national brands that have been kicking it since the 90s, you know, might not be doing so hot because people are going to force themselves to, you know, drink local and it's going to be easier to get good local. And and I think it's going to just force everyone to be better. I don't yeah. think IPAs are going to go anywhere. I think they might not be as popular as they were in, like, 2016 um, or 2019 or 2022. Um, <laughs> but I don't think – I think I, New England IPA is here to stay. I think that's a style that um, will be here forever. I mean, I think we certainly would hope so. Yeah. And I think it would be just interesting to see just sort of what the evolution of that will be uh, just in terms of going forward, what else you can do sort of with an IPA uh, in a lot of ways. but Sure. Yeah. When I started um, up at the City Beer Hall, I had three lines for lager and four lines for IPA. I now have four lines for lager and three lines for IPA. So, um, And that's based off of sales and velocity. That's not yeah. personal. That's, you know, so I think that people definitely still want to drink IPAs. They just, you know, they want to also drink other stuff too. So No, for sure. Well, Dan, really appreciate you. Appreciate you. I, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and just coming through. I mean, I barely, I almost didn't have to ask anything, man. You just, uh, you're just you a wealth of knowledge it. here. What's up? You rolled with it. You, exactly. Perfect. Got to do it, man. Well, hey, thank you, Dan, for coming on. Uh, Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, so I guess we'll just kind of wrap it up here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, uh, the seven of you, as uh, Jeff generally likes to say. to 14 now. No, it's, it's 14. It's, 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 it's a decent amount. Are um, we maybe 21? Uh, no, it's still 14. I haven't checked, actually. Uh, you can but, only go up from here, though. Uh, right. I, you yeah. got to hope so. Um, yeah, but yeah, so 
Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Unified Beer Works. Uh, find us on Facebook, Unified Beer Works, as well. Thank you again, everyone, and we're going to see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.